Good morning. Good morning. When Jesus speaks, our hearts burn within us. Our eyes are open when he breaks the bread. My name is Michael Hall. And as we begin, grace to you and peace from God the Creator and from Jesus Christ our Teacher and Redeemer, from the Holy Spirit who binds us together in Christian worship, pardon me. <clears throat> I want to welcome everyone, including people on Zoom. Um, we are here this morning to worship, and we're all glad to be here, are we not? Yes, we are. Thank you very much. We begin our worship by lighting the Christ candle, and we're actually doing it this time. Whenever we do this, we remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew that whenever two or more of us are gathered in my name, I am among them. Now, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I would invite you to use the words in the bulletin as a centering prayer to help guide you into this time and space as we listen to the prayer. rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we speak the call to worship. Come, walk with us. We will join the journey. Let us talk together. We will listen and speak. Christ goes with us. Jesus guides our steps. And now we join our voices together in hymn number 740, Lead Me, Guide Me.
Shall we pray? Holy One, we are often confused by the events in our world. Come and walk with us. Open your hearts, pardon me, open our hearts to hear your truth. Plant the seed of new life within us. In trust of your loving presence, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, God judges all people impartially according to their deeds, trusting in God's love in Jesus Christ. Let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. May God of love and compassion, we often fail to understand the truth of your love. We are frequently confused and filled with doubt. Life can feel meaningless. We wander down the pathways of life, longing to see our way more clearly. Open our eyes this day that we may see your way of love and grace. Meet our confusion with the truth of your presence. Feed us with the true bread of life and help us change our hearts and lives that we may follow you with joy. Amen. And now, as we confess in silence of our own hearts, let us say what is on our minds. Now, join in the words of assurance. Congregation, God's promises are for us by the power of the Holy Spirit. God God invites us into newness of life, forgiving and blessings. Thanks be to God. Beloved, the travelers greeted Jesus on their journey, not knowing who he was. We, too, travel together, and there is much we do not know about one another. But this we know, Christ is present in each one of us. Let us share the peace of Christ present with one another. Peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Peace be with all of you. Uh, And as we share this peace, I would invite any young people in our midst to come forward for a children's message. Good morning. Oh, goodness. Wow. Have a seat right here, because we're going to need to look up at that screen. So, did you know that there are different types of learning? Did you know that? No. Sometimes we have to learn with our hands or our eyes. And sometimes we have to learn with both our heads and our hearts. Now, when we say something feels right to us, or when something feels right to us, we might say, in my heart, I feel 
that chocolate peanut butter ice cream is the best kind of ice cream. (laughs) Well, in our story from the Bible this morning, two disciples learn with their whole selves, with their heads and their hearts. Do we have the picture of the head and heart to go up on the screen? There we go. So on the screen, we've got two pictures. A heart and and a head. That's right. Those are the two different kinds of learnings we're going to talk about this morning. So what are some things that might be examples of head learning? What do you think? Thinking, yep. But what kind of learning might you do in school that has to do with your head? Um, Maybe reading. Reading. What about math? Math. Yep. Maybe learning safety rules, right? And what might be some examples of heart learning? You're out of ideas. <laughs> well, maybe discovering new favorite foods. I know you have trouble with that one. Um, <laughs> meeting new friends. That's a kind of heart learning. Maybe visiting new places or having experiences that are so special we might treasure them in our hearts forever. Right? Those are examples of heart learning. Well, in our story this morning, as the disciples were walking away from Jerusalem on the road to a place called Emmaus, can you say Emmaus? Emmaus. They were sad and they were confused. Can you guess why? Why would they have been sad? Because they saw Jesus die. Yeah, they saw Jesus die. And it was terrible. And they were scared and they were sad. And what's more, they had heard that some women had gone to Jesus' tomb and couldn't find them. Couldn't find him. Couldn't find Jesus. Yeah. They were sad because they had hoped that Jesus would be God's Messiah, the one who saves. And these were the facts. And they did not know how to look with their hearts just their heads. Well, as they walked, a new friend walked with them. He listened to them and asked questions, and he told them stories from Scripture that talked about the Messiah. Israel's prophets had said that the Messiah would need to suffer before entering into glory. And they were amazed at the things he was saying to them, and by the time they stopped for the night, they invited him to join them for dinner. Now, when they sat down, the new friend took bread, and he said a prayer. And as soon as he handed them the bread, they realized that this was not a stranger. This was... Jesus. Jesus! Yes! Now, their heads told them that it couldn't be. But their hearts helped them discover the risen Lord. One of the hardest things that we learn as people is to trust in God. Even when our head learning, you know, using this, gives us a different message. Faith 
teaches us to use our head and heart. our hearts. The disciples realized that as they were listening to Jesus, their hearts were trying to tell them something inside them. Now, as we pray, I want to invite you to take your hands and put them into the shape of a heart and then put it right here at the center of your chest. Can you do that? All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for helping us to learn with our whole bodies, our hearts and our heads. And thank you for being our great teacher. Amen. As we pray, as we prepare, rather, to listen to our lessons this morning, let us pray. Open our ears that we may hear your message. Teach us your truth and sow the seed of your eternal life-giving word within us that we may grow in love. Amen. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 51, verses 1 through 6. Listen to me, you who look for righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry where you were dug. Look to Abraham, your ancestor, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. They were alone when I called them, but I blessed them and made them many. The Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her ruins. He will make her desert like Eden and her wilderness like the Lord's garden. Happiness and joy will be found in her. Thanks and the sound of singing. Pay attention to me. My people, listen to me, my nation, for teaching will go out from me, my justice as a light to the nations. I will quickly bring my victory. My salvation is on its way, and my arm will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me. They wait for my judgment. Look up to the heavens and gaze at the earth beneath. The heavens will disappear like smoke, the earth will wear out like clothing, and its inhabitants will die like gnats, but my salvation will endure forever, and my righteousness will be unbroken. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. Let us now rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we sing together hymn number 252, Day of Arising, and we will sing verses 1, 2, and 4.
Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 25. Listen for the word of God. Now on that same day, this is Easter evening, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with, with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were our hearts not burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. 
Summers were sacred in my family growing up. Because the three of us kids were out of school, mom and dad would save up their vacation time and take a big chunk all at once, and we'd go off on some big camping and hiking adventure. The summer after I finished ninth grade, we were all packed up, sitting in the family van, with the map laid out to head south to a favorite location in the Shenandoah Mountains. Suddenly, my parents turned to each other and said, Nah, we've been there. Let's go to Newfoundland instead. And we turned north. My mom driving, my dad plotting the trip on the map next to her, and the three of us kids dealing with an introduction to whiplash. And it was an amazing trip. And we saw some amazing things. But the things that I most vividly remember aren't the destinations, but what happened while we were en route. Like the time we broke down on the side of the road, the van having overheated, and my dad breaking out the guitar to sing Neil Young's Helpless, embarrassingly loud, while sitting on top of the camper, the only song he knew how to play, by the way. And he sounded remarkably like St. Neil. Or the terrible Chinese food we ate while we waited for the ferry to take us back to the mainland on our way home. Or the crisp, cold air and the blanket of stars from the deck of the ferry, making you feel as if you were wrapped in night. Many times it is what happens on the road that is more memorable. As the popular bumper sticker saying goes, it's the journey, not the destination. And it's what happens to Cleopas and his companion as they are walking to Emmaus. They have left Jerusalem. They are followers of Jesus, but they have become disillusioned and deeply sad. But we had hoped. But we had hoped. And that hope is gone. They do not believe the testimony of the women because women. And it is almost as if they are wandering off, dispersed into the world to be absorbed by it. And that's when Jesus comes up alongside them. Yet they don't recognize him at first. In our house, as you know, books are sacred. And some of the best books, this is truth, not opinion, are books that tell of a journey. From the Lord of the Rings to On the Road, tales of voyages and travels illuminate far more than just a walk or an excursion. One of Elena's favorite books 
is the fourth book in C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, titled A Horse and His Boy. (laughs) And it chronicles the journeys of two children and two talking horses who escape from Callerman and travel north to Narnia. One of the most moving scenes comes when the boy Shasta is traveling alone, feeling sorry for himself because of all of the misfortunes he has had. As he walks, Aslan the lion, Lewis's allegorical figure for Christ, shows up and walks with Shasta. It is dark. And Shasta cannot see his companion, but the time comes when he can bear it no longer and begins to speak. Who are you? He said, barely above a whisper. One who has waited long for you to speak, said the thing. Its voice was not loud, but very large and deep. Are you... Are you a giant? asked Shasta. You might call me a giant, said the large voice, but I am not like the creatures you call giants. I can't see you at all, said Shasta, after staring very hard. Then, for an even more terrible idea had come into his head, he said almost in a scream, You're not not something dead, are you? Oh, please, please do go away. What harm have I ever done you? Oh, I am the unluckiest person in the whole world. Once more he felt the warm breath of the thing on his hand and face. There, it said, that is not the breath of a ghost. Tell me your sorrow. Reading about Cleopas and his companion meeting the risen Christ on the road to Emmaus, Elena noted to me this week that, like the men walking to Emmaus, Shasta was consumed by his sadness. And in the midst of that grief, that's when the risen Lord shows up. Later, Shasta asks the lion again to reveal itself to him. Who are you? asked Shasta. Myself, said the voice, very deep and low so that the earth shook. And again, myself, loud and clear and gay. And then the third time, myself, whispered so softly you could hardly hear. And yet it seemed to come from all around you as if the leaves rustled with it. Shasta was no longer afraid that the voice belonged to something that would eat him, nor that it was the voice of a ghost, but a new and different sort of trembling came over him, yet he felt glad too. He turned and saw, pacing beside him, taller than a horse, a lion. The horse did not seem to be afraid of it, or else could not see it. It was from the lion that the light came. 
No one ever saw anything more terrible or more beautiful. I cannot help but see the parallels between Shasta's encounter with the lion Aslan and the men's meeting with Jesus, culminating in them recognizing him as they ate together and Christ broke the bread. Shasta's walk through the night rings similar to the men's long walk to Emmaus, a trek that would be approximately seven miles long on a dusty road in the desert. More than that, as biblical scholar Robert Hawke reminds us, there are some walks that are longer than others. Not because of the miles or even because of the landscape, but because of the burdens. Both Shasta and the men were lost in their grief, in their disappointment, in the shambles that come when every hope you have is dashed. Finally, the one who is terrible and beautiful appears to both first as a stranger and then revealed to be friend. And our hearts burn within us. At some point in our lives, all of us have or will walk the road of grief. And grieving can be blinding, as it is for Cleopas and his friend. And this blindness leads to a sort of forgetting. They have lost their memory of what Jesus taught, particularly that phrase he said so often, do not be afraid. Alyssa Wilkinson writes, What we lose with our memories in our grief is the ability to move into our futures. We can only care for each other by telling those stories over and over again. Our sorrow won't be solved that way, but we can learn to live and pass those memories Cleopas and his friend, Peter and John and Thomas and all the rest, they are stuck, unable to move forward, unable to see any future. Their grief has them mired. And that's okay. That's normal. We get stuck. But Jesus comes alongside us and reminds us of the story that picks us up, dusts us off, and makes our hearts burn within us. And that gets us moving again. He reminds us that we always have a walking companion in him and in each other. As we live out this Easter season, because Easter is a season, it's not just one day, I believe resurrection still comes to us in unexpected ways, walking with us, talking with us, but most of all, reminding us that we never need to walk alone.
Amen. Will you please join me in our response to the word? We have heard the voice of God and know God's presence within us. Help us change our hearts and lives that we may walk with you always. Amen. At this time, I would like to invite Elena forward for a sort of minute for mission. Good morning. Um, for the past several months, I have been leading a social justice book club as part of my internship for seminary, and there are a few folks from our congregation who have been meeting faithfully on Tuesday evenings with me. We have been reading the book Just Mercy, a true story written by lawyer Brian Stevenson about the racial inequities that are embedded in the American criminal justice system. We have learned about how the shameful history of our country's past during the eras of slavery, Reconstruction, Jim Crow and segregation, and the racial terror, terror of lynching have contributed to the bias in our culture that people of color, particularly black men, are seen to be more dangerous, more criminal. In fact, black males are six times more likely to receive harsher punishments for nonviolent crimes than their white counterparts. The author founded an organization called Equal Justice Initiative, which is dedicated to working for racial justice in both the criminal justice system and beyond. They believe that us being able to move forward as a country means we first need to be honest about our past, even the ugly and shameful parts. Over the past decade or so, they have created a nationwide map that lists every documented lynching site from coast to coast. By being able to name and commemorate the great injustices that took place at these sites, it is the hope that we can work towards healing and reconciliation. In New York State, there are two documented lynching sites. One is in Newburgh, New York, just down in the Hudson Valley area, where a man named Robert Mulliner was lynched on June 21, 1863. The other is in Port Jervis, New York, by New York City where a man named Robert Lewis was lynched on June 2nd, 1892, by a crowd of 2,000 people, about one-fifth of the local population. No one was ever arrested for his murder. On Monday, June 19th, or Juneteenth, as it's called in the African-American community, some members of the book club and myself are going to be taking a day trip to these two sites, so that we can honor these men and hold a brief prayer and memorial service as a way to continue working towards racial justice in this country. I am in contact with members of the Anti-Racism Task Force here in Albany Presbytery, 
and they will likely make the journey with us. Additionally, I'm talking to the anti-racism team in Hudson River Presbytery, where these sites are located, who will also be joining us that day. Since our congregation has committed to being a Matthew 25 church and doing our part to dismantle structural racism, I would like to invite anyone who can make it to join us that day. We're going to be carpooling as much as possible to alleviate transportation stress. And if you would like to be added to the interest list, please speak to me. Thank you very much. Thank you, Elena, for putting that together. Um, two things that I would like to lift up uh, this morning for our life together. Uh, please do know that we have fellowship hour um, uh, provided for us uh, this week by Anne and Peter McKinney. Uh, so please join us through these doors and fellowship hall after worship. Um, and I do want to lift up um, one thing. It's about a month away, um, but on May 21st at 10 a.m. here in this sanctuary, we will be hosting a Presbytery-wide worship service. Um, this is uh, our regular Sunday worship service. Um, we had a Presbytery-wide worship service back in the fall in Amsterdam, and uh, the Presbytery is trying to have two of these a year. Um, but this is going to be a great opportunity for us to uh, be together with uh, our siblings in Christ from around the Presbytery. Um, the service is coming together, and it promises to be a really good one. Um, but as part of that, I have been asked um, by Carol to lift up uh, that first, the choir is always looking for new members. Um, raise your hand if you sing. That's all of you. You all sing. <laughs> Whether it is uh, in a choir or in the shower, you sing. Um, but uh, if you have ever thought about joining the choir, um, you are always welcome, but particularly uh, in the rehearsal on the Thursday and on that May 21st service, uh, we could use as many voices singing together uh, as possible. Um, so if you have any interest, any um, questions, uh, please speak to Carol or any of the members of the choir, and they can tell you how much fun it is. <laughs> and that's all I have. Friends, what can we give back to God for all the good things God has done for us? We can never repay this gift, but we can bring our gifts for God's work to the world. Let us offer our gifts to God. <clears throat> 
pray together. God of love, source of all goodness, you hear our cries and you answer. With grateful hearts we bring our gifts to you. We bring our offerings as a gift of thanksgiving for your presence in our lives. We are your servants and we offer ourselves with joy. Amen. Please be seated. As we begin to prepare our hearts to turn to God in prayer, uh, I do want to draw your attention to the back of the announcements um, the, uh, and the prayer list and the prayer concerns. Uh, we've been, the deacons and uh, Kim have been working together really hard to clean this list up um, to make it uh, fresh and relevant and, uh, and easy to use. Um, Please note one thing. Uh, towards the bottom of the page, you'll note that uh, you can always let myself or one of the deacons know uh, if you have somebody who is in need of prayer and need to be added to the prayer list. Um, or if they can come off, we celebrate when people can come off the prayer list. Um, you can also email your prayers, uh, joys, and concerns to prayers at hamiltonunionpresbyterianchurch.org. That is received by myself and the deacons. Um, trying to have as many different ways for us to share our prayers together. And this morning, we have quite a few um, to lift up. Um, first, I want to lift up um, 
this, uh, on April 11th, uh, George Carmen uh, passed away. Uh, his wife, Pat, is here uh, with us this morning. Pat, we pray for you, for your family, uh, in your grief, and, um, and pray that God's comfort would surround you in this time. Um, on yesterday, on Saturday, yes, yesterday, that was just yesterday, um, Kim uh, Matthews, our administrative assistant, uh, texted me uh, an image of a, uh, an x-ray. Her daughter, Lily, had a pretty bad collision with somebody in a soccer game, and the image is just, it makes me shiver. Um, she's probably going to need surgery on her collarbone, um, and she's in quite a bit of pain. Um, for that reason, the office will be closed tomorrow. Kim will not be in um, because they have to go see an orthopedic surgeon. Um, but please pray for Lily and for Kim um, and uh, Colby as uh, they navigate this, uh, the beginning of this healing process for her. Um, we continue to pray for Fred, uh, who is out of the hospital and with us this morning. We are so glad to see you. Um, but I was looking through the prayer list. Somehow your name came off. It's going back on. Um, <laughs> but we're praying for you um, and that uh, you continue to heal well. Um, I would ask uh, for prayers for two people um, from my home congregation back in Pulteneyville. Uh, the first is Jim Williams. Uh, he is a dear friend uh, who was uh, there for our family just very much in, uh, in when my dad died. Um, he's been having some health issues um, and uh, possible, possible cancer, um, so we pray for him. I also lift up Gary Bueller. Now, Gary, uh, let's see, this is how small a world it is. Uh, you all, most of you, many of you remember Bill Morris. Now, Bill Morris, his sister Charlotte is uh, married to Gary, and they are members of my home church. Charlotte has been a dear friend for many, many years, and Gary, uh, but Charlotte has been a mentor to me um, in many ways. Uh, well, uh, Gary and Charlotte were traveling in Texas, and on Easter Sunday, Gary had a stroke. Um, and uh, he is in rehabilitation in Texas. Uh, it was easier to find a place there instead of traveling back to Rochester. Uh, and he's feeling good and his prognosis is good, but uh, I do ask for prayers for, for Gary and for Charlotte. Um, they are very dear people. Um, we also lift up um, Anne and Bob Mastro. Um, Anne is going through chemo right now, and Bob is uh, dealing with a blockage in a, a kidney, um, possibly from uh, chemo treatments, um, and we, so we pray for both of them. Uh, we pray for Jim Neiman, who is going through chemo treatments as well, uh, and for Bob and Carolyn Agle. Um, Bob had a fall and broke a few ribs uh, this past week, uh, and we, we pray for him and his recovery. And uh, for his wife, Carolyn, who will be having knee replacement surgery on May 9th. Um, so uh, we pray for healing uh, in, their, in their house as well. Those are all the ones I was given this morning. <laughs> um, Chandra. 
We pray for uh, Luann and Mark Murphy, friends of Chandra's down in Pennsylvania, uh, who have lost everything in a house fire. Um, but we are thankful that they are safe and that the cat is safe. Um, and uh, we pray for them in, as they recover from this. Others. Shannon. Cindy? Lindy. 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 And it's Artie? Ernie. 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 My sister's having a baby sometime soon. I, re- I really hope she's not watching this. <laughs> um, yes. My sister is due on... Uh, she, her due date is tomorrow. Uh, and uh, talking to my mom, um, they, uh, she had a doctor's appointment the other day, and they're not going to let her go past Friday. Um, so she's... This baby boy is coming very soon. Uh, Another nephew uh, to terrorize our family. Uh, Marianne. of joy uh, for Marianne's sister, who's going to be a grandma, um, and we uh, continue to pray for Myra and uh, their struggles, uh, and for Reen, who's having difficulty uh, finding solutions to her pain. Trudy. We... <laughs> 
we we pr we pray uh, prayers of joy uh, for Rain uh, celebrating a 40th birthday this week, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know how that's possible, uh, but but we also pray. <laughs> But we also pray for Trudy's brother-in-law, John, um, who has just been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and for all students, all students, teachers, and administrators, we continue to pray for, uh, but particularly students who uh, this, year, this semester have undergone um, significant trials and tribulations. Elena. High School was in 11th grade, had been uh, battling cancer uh, for a while, and uh, she died uh, this past week. So we ask for prayers for her family uh, and for all of the students who, uh, who knew her uh, as, they, as they grieved this loss. Uh, but yes, we are very proud of both of our kids, basketball and a yellow belt, um, which I feel safer in my house. So. <laughs> Betty. thinking about that this morning, looking out at the, at the grass just seems to be a vivid green right now, um, and all of the blossoms, and um, so we do, we celebrate that new life. Friends, let us pray. Holy God, we pray in ever-widening circles. Extending the love we feel for those closest to us out into our communities, our nation, and our whole world. Through our prayers, stretch us to make a place in our hearts for those we do not know, but who are known to you. We pray for those we know best, friends, families, neighbors, co-workers, all whose joys and troubles affect us daily. God, we lift up to you each of the names and each of the joys and each of the concerns that are on our hearts this morning, those that have been named aloud and those that are held quietly in our hearts. We know that you hear and hold all of them. We pray for those we see 
but do not know. Those who cross our paths on the road or the grocery store or the restaurant, those who are our neighbors here in Gilderland, but whose inner lives remain a mystery to us. We ask that your spirit dwell in our community, turning strangers into neighbors, giving people purpose and compassion. Help us to see past polite fictions to those who are hungry, scared, or lonely. And in seeing them, love them. We pray for those we see only in the media, siblings around the world whose stories get sold to us as the news of the day. Help us to see humanity behind the pixels and sound bites. We pray especially for those caught in cycles of violence and war, oppression and economic scarcity, persecution because of their religion, ethnicity, or gender, all those who do not know what it is to be valued and cherished. Help us to feel the ties that bind all your children together to love as radically as you do. We pray for those we do not see, the millions whose stories go untold, whose lives feel so far removed from our own. We pray for your people in every place and ask that you keep reminding us that no one is beyond your reach. Keep our hearts burning within us that we might be hungry to know your people, not as curiosities, but as siblings in Christ. Expand our hearts, God, until we can hold your people inside them, all your people, all over the world, following the example of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us rise in body, or remain upright in spirit, to sing our final hymn, 702, Christ Be Beside Me.
beloved, as you walk the paths of life, know that Jesus is within you. Trust that burning heart, blessing you with his presence. Go in peace, remembering who you are and whose you are. Amen.